Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. So like, uh, like Adam said, uh, over the last couple weeks, uh, we're going through the life of Christ. And so two weeks ago, we preached on the baptism, uh, the commissioning of Jesus's ministry. Last week uh, was the temptation in the desert. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. He uh, experiences three temptations, defeats them. Uh, with God's word and perseveres, and now he is ministering. And so that's where we pick up in Luke 5. So Jesus is ministering uh, in this place in the gospel, specifically around the Sea of Galilee. And his ministry is growing, and we're going to see evidence of that. He's performing miracles, he's teaching in synagogues, and he's starting to become very well known. So if you'll join me now, uh, we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. We're going to go 1 through 11. We're going to skip on and uh, pick back up in 27. We're going to be looking at the call of his disciples. So here we go. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So I'm going to pause there. Let's go back to verse 1. We'll continue on in a minute. Let's pause there, let's go back to verse 1, let's look at some of the context clues Luke left us. So, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So we understand there's a crowd. So Jesus is well known at that time. His popularity is growing. He's not just remotely talking with random people. There's people following him, wanting to listen to him. And not just wanting to listen to him, see how the crowd is described, pressing in on him to hear the word of God. So two ideas here. One is that they're pressing on him. They're eager. They want to hear more about this new teacher, this man who teaches with such authority and with such power that it's distinctively different. We see if you read in Luke 4, when he goes back to his hometown synagogue, he reads a scroll. He reads Isaiah 61 about himself, and the people are blown away with how he teaches it. They can sense a difference in Jesus. And so In that sensing, in that difference, this crowd is following him. And that why are they following him? They want to hear the word of God. They want to hear how Jesus 
brings the scripture to life, how he brings the prophecies to life. And furthermore, just like we have the opportunity today, how sweet it would be to hear Jesus teach, to hear his actual voice. And we know we can read the Bible aloud and his words are captured for us. And so the first example for us just to call out, to pull out from this text, are you pressing in to hear God's word? Specifically this morning, but just generally in your life, do you have that fervor? Do you want to hear God's word? Are you passionate for it? These people were. They're pursuing him, following him. So we have this description of what's happening. Now, continuing verse two and three. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So quick context clue, washing their nets, it's quitting time. It's quitting time. They're shutting it down, kitchen's closed, they're finishing up their day. They've been, at it. They've been at it. We know that. We understand that. Uh, the readers in the first century would have definitely picked up on that. And so he asked Simon to use one of his boats. Now, however you've ever seen this depicted in, in movies or whatever, this wasn't their first interaction. If you read in chapter 4, Jesus actually heals Simon's mother-in-law. So Simon knew of Jesus, had already witnessed a miracle firsthand. So They had had interaction. Simon was very much aware of Jesus as a teacher, Jesus as a healer. So when Jesus asked this, this isn't just random. He doesn't commandeer Simon's ship. It's understood that there was already a relationship forming there. And when he sits down to teach him, it's not like whenever you picture the ocean, you go down to Panama City or Destin or wherever you you go to the beach and you have those boats kind of bobbing and the waves are crashing. It's not It's not that kind of scene. Most scholars agree that there's a lot of coves that this event could have probably happened in. The water's a little calmer, a little stiller. The way the land goes up, it kind of goes up in an amphitheater style. So as as this idea is forming in your head, this kind of picture of what's happening, think a little bit calmer. Think the boat sitting there, people kind of up on the shore, all listening, able to watch Jesus. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. So notice, Luke doesn't actually tell what Jesus taught that day. That's not the point of this text. The point of this text is the call of Simon Peter and the other disciples. And look at what Simon says specifically. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. So first off, this this name, Master, It's this idea of teacher, sir. If it had been written in another gospel, it probably would say rabbi there. But it's this idea that Jesus is important. There's a sign of respect there. And we're going to come back to this term because it changes throughout this text. But notice what Simon says. He says, we toiled all night and took nothing. So here I am. I'm I'm Simon, professional fisherman. You're Jesus, itinerant teacher, but growing in popularity. I know better than you, Jesus. I know what you've done. I've seen what you've done. And, and this is where Simon becomes one of the most relatable characters in the Bible. And throughout Simon's, you know, throughout the Bible, Simon continues to, to be us in a lot of ways. And so here we are, and not to read us into the text, but just to say that we do this still today. We think, God, I know what you say, but I know better for my kids. God, I know what you say, but I know better for my own life. I know what you say, but I know what my spouse needs or whatever. Fill in the blank. 
But so we, we can really relate to what Simon says here. But notice though, Simon does say this, but at your word, I will let down your nets, but at your word, Jesus, I will obey. Reluctant obedience, yet still obedience. And so it is marked there for us to see. So just remember, it's not because of it looks good or it seems like a, a probably it's gonna work out. It's really only because of the word of Jesus that Simon decides to agree to this. Outside of that, apart from the word of Jesus, Simon has no interest really in getting his nets back out, calling his whole group or his company of men to go back out onto the, out into the lake one more time. But he does agree. And just remember in the small obedience first is where we find ourselves one step at a time to have larger obedience in our life. And so verse six, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish in their nets and, were, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat come, to come and help them. And they filled both boats so that they began to sink. So circle partners there, that's gonna be announced later on. But skipping now on to verse eight. But when Simon Peter saw it, saw the catch, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So now finally the story really begins. Now finally the point of this text is surely here. So when Simon Peter saw it, what does he do? He falls down at the knees of Jesus. So let's look at this verse kind of going backwards Simon identifies Jesus now no longer as master. What does he say? He says it at the end, Lord, Lord. He's not just a teacher now. He's not just a healer. All of a sudden, there's this divine aspect about Jesus. He understands that all of a sudden, this guy is different. Before, I thought maybe he just was really wise, really smart, really knew the Old Testament prophets well, but now I recognize it. I can see it. And, and Peter has this way of seeing, being really sensitive to the Spirit and being able to tell these things throughout the Gospels. And so he immediately, here he identifies Jesus, no longer as master, but there's the transition, Lord. And what does he say? He says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And so if you can see this Kind of in your heads, you see this image of this man broken, throwing himself at the feet of Jesus on his ship, on his boat. And we've all, if we're claiming to be followers of Christ, should be able to relate to this because we all should have done this. If you're a follower of Christ, that means that first and foremost, you recognize your sinfulness. You recognize your own brokenness, and especially in light of who God is. And so Simon recognizes this. Simon, a fisherman, Simon, kind of a normal guy in his community, a normal Jew. And what does he ask Jesus to do? He asks him to get away from him. And why would he ask that? If you're in the presence of God, why would you ask God to get away from you? And if you look throughout the Bible, you see the same pattern over and over and over again. You see it back in Genesis, right? When they sinned and they recognized their own sinfulness, what did they do? They, they ran from God. They hid themselves. If you flip with me briefly to Isaiah 6, Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and whenever he's commissioned to be the prophet of Israel for that season, he's given a vision into the throne room of heaven. And here we are, Isaiah 6, verse 4. 
And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So we understand whether it's Peter, whether it's Isaiah, or fill in the blank, whatever character comes in front of God, encounters God, they recognize immediately God's holiness. And they can't, they can't stand to be in it. And they realize that it could mean immediate death. And so Simon is recognizing this in this passage. And so if we think about the reverence that that entails, it's a message for us today. It's a message for Christians throughout all of time about what that means to be able to stand and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. So if you continue on, though, verse 9 For he and all who were with him were astonished. So again, here it is. This isn't just another day at the office. This isn't just a good day. There's something distinctly happening here at the catch of fish that were taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So here Luke is just leaving that little clue. By the way, James and John, fellow apostles that you probably have heard of if you're reading this text, were there that day. They were the partners that I mentioned earlier. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So there it goes. There's the completion of what we were talking about. Simon throwing himself at Jesus' feet, presumably still there at Jesus' feet. And what does Jesus say to him? This is the sweetest word you're ever going to hear. Do not be afraid. And again, it just goes to prove the text that we've already talked about, that Simon understood who Jesus was. He understood Jesus' holiness, his perfection, his divinity. And so Jesus tells him it's okay. And that, in that expression there, you feel the grace, the mercy, the love of the gospel, all wrapped up in those four words. It's the same thing that we hear today when we affirm the gospel. And so the question for us today is, if you've thrown yourself at the feet of Jesus and he's raised you back up, and said, do not be afraid, praise God, right? In all honesty, in all honesty, praise God. If you haven't done that, it's okay. Now could be the day. And so Jesus gives him one other expression here, one other statement, from now on you'll be catching men. So not only am I gonna raise you up, not only am I gonna permit you to be in relationship with me, restore you, wash you, cleanse you, but you're going to work for me now. You're going to go out and catch men. And that is, again, the same commissioning that we receive today. It's the same commissioning that Jesus gave his disciples and all those to follow that would be called disciples in the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And so if you think about that, we all are sinful. We've all either been at the feet or need to be at the feet of Jesus. Yet Jesus says, Don't be afraid. I can use you. I can use you in spite of your imperfection. I can use you in spite of your reluctant faith. I can use you even if you doubt me. Just believe in my word. And so Simon here is a very relatable character, very relatable to us. And here we are, verse 11. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So hold on to that last expression. They left everything and followed him. We're going to continue now in verse 27. The two stories we're going to quickly skip over. Jesus heals a leper. 
And then Jesus heals the paralytic. So that's the very famous story where Jesus uh, heals the man who is lowered through the roof. He forgives him of his sins, much to the disagreement and the astonishment of the Pharisees. Uh, He does both. And so as Jesus leaves that house, this is where we pick up verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. So here we have it. We have Luke using the same generally two expressions here within just a few verses of each other. They left everything and followed him. So first off, what we want to really see here is what do they leave? And I'm not talking about physically what did they give up, but what did they leave behind? They turned from their sins. They left their former life. And we understand this. Simon Peter, a fisherman, there's a point to that. He was a normal guy, worked a normal job in their culture, respected profession. He identifies himself unprompted as a sinner, needing redemption. Here, Luke describes a tax collector, which many of us, if we've been in church for a while, understand that that was synonymous with somebody who was despicable and wicked, somebody who was robbing their neighbor to not only bankroll their own lifestyle, but also to pay the pagan landlords of that day, the Romans. And so we understand that one is depicted as favorable, yet needs a a redeemer. And here's this other guy, an obvious sinner, somebody who they would have wrinkled their nose at, who also is in need of redemption. And it says that they left everything and followed him. They left their previous lifestyle. And that's where for us today to really take out the meaning of this text, the most important aspect of this text is what looks different in your life before you became a follower of Christ and today? Whenever that moment was in your life, whatever season that might have been in your life, what's changed? If you can honestly say that it's been dramatically different and not in the sensational testimony different, but just your life, your affections, what you're focused on is truly different now. If you can't say that, if you can say that it hasn't really changed except where I show up 9 to 12 on Sunday mornings, then, then you're missing it. Then, then you're missing what it means to follow Jesus, to be focused on who he is, to put him as the priority, to put God's glory as a priority in your life. You're missing the richness of that to what it means to be in relationship with God. So the secondary part is, though, that they did leave their livelihood. They did give it all up. They left their boats. Simon, or not Simon, Levi left his tax booth, his source of income. And so it's interesting, though, the Bible doesn't say anything else about that. It's just a description of what they did. It doesn't count them more righteous. It doesn't say that they were super Christians or super apostles or anything of that nature there. It's just a description of what they did. So for us, the secondary thing, first and foremost, is has your life changed? Have you repented? Have you turned from your previous life and are walking in a new way? But secondly, and especially for adults, for young adults that are about to enter into the world of jobs and college and all those things, but especially the adults here today, I would just ask you, are you willing to give it up? For Jesus. Not that you are called to at this moment. We all have very different callings. And I want to be very clear the Bible has depictions of 
Old Testament or New Testament churches that sent out missionaries. So we understand that not everyone's called to leave their home church and go be international missionaries or go move their family from one place in the country to another place. That's not the calling on everyone. But if you were called to that, would you be willing to do it? And it's a question that only you can answer if it's between you and God. You can say that you would. You can say, yes, I'd be willing to give it all up. I give up my profession. I give up my comfort. I give up my security, my liberties, my freedoms. I give up the guarantee of good health care. I'd give up all those things to follow him. But do you mean it? Because this is the description we see here of the apostles. And we know what ends up happening to three of these four apostles. It ends in martyrdom. Now, obviously, they didn't know that at this time that they said they were willing to follow Jesus. But we know that. We know kind of how the story finishes for three, three out of the four of these guys. And so whenever you say, I decided to follow Jesus, do you mean it? And it's a question that should resonate with us. You should daily check in. Am I really following Jesus? Do I really look different? And so as the text finishes up here, we go to the final bit of it. Starting in verse 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So we see this picture, this image of Jesus hanging out with these known sinners. And it, it's, there's so much to unpack in this little, this little scene here that's happening. Jesus celebrating, presumably with Levi, that he's decided to follow Jesus, that he's turned from his previous life, but now he's hanging out with these other nefarious characters from their town. And the tax collectors, all those people reclining with Jesus, Jesus is in fellowship with them at this moment. There's a distinct description of it. And this bothers the Pharisees. How can you be around them? How can you tolerate these people? Well, let's start at the end of it, though. Jesus is there for a very specific reason. He's not there just to accept, just to love on them. What does it say at the very end? It says, but sinners, but to call sinners to repentance. So he was there specifically to tell them to turn and follow him, to turn from their sin, to give it up, to follow him in the better way. And so it's just a reminder of us that it's not the gospel of Joe, it's not the gospel of Adam or anything like that that's going to change people's hearts. It's Jesus's words. It's the gospel that will affect change. So Jesus is there, obviously speaking truth to these people for them to affect change in their lives. And just like Peter said, he said, at your word, Lord, I'll be obedient. So just let that be a reminder. If you are out there casting your net and you are encountering people where they're at, praise God. But just remember that it's the gospel that affects change. It's nothing we can say. We can't convince people of that. The Bible is very clear of that. So just to encourage the church, even if you think you know better, continue to cast your net. Continue to cast your net and that means that you have to go, though, where people are, where people that don't know the Lord are, whether that's in our own community, whether that's far off. You must go. 
And finally, we see here, and this is where Luke points out something very distinct. We have Simon Peter who recognizes he's a sinner. We have Levi, the tax collector, who knows he's a sinner. And Jesus saying, I've come for the sick. And there's this idea here, and it's interesting, if you read historically, Luke is supposed to be a doctor. So he knows that those that know that they're sick, what do they do today? They call up and they get an appointment and you go to the doctor's office. And I can tell you firsthand though, it's sad whenever you don't realize you're sick until it's too late, right? And then you go to the doctor and then you found out these symptoms you've been experiencing there to a greater sickness. And so the Pharisees miss it here. They don't realize that everyone's sick. They just don't realize how sick that they are as well. And so we need to just remember that, that even as a church, even those that know the gospel, we still need Jesus. You still need him to restore you, to lift you up, to say, do not be afraid. And how sweet the gospel is. What a difference it can make. We here at Rosemont, our, our mission is to obviously inside the church to, to edify, strengthen the saints, to equip them, but it's to equip them to go out, cast their net. And so that's my prayer as we finish up this morning, that as you hear this text, that you're convicted, am I really following Jesus? Have I really left whatever sin was in my life, whatever I was struggling with before, and really in pursuit of Jesus, turn from that and following him? Secondly, am I really willing to put it all on the line? Do I really believe the gospel? And if I do, would I be willing to put it all on the line? And that's something you don't have to answer this morning. You don't, but you do answer to God for that. And you can't deceive him. He knows your heart. The Bible talks about that time and time again, that you can't deceive him. And finally, if you've been called, you've been restored, you've been regenerated, and you've been washed Where are you casting your net? What are you doing to further the kingdom, to allow others to experience the goodness and richness of the relationship that you have with the Lord? These are all just convicting questions for us to ask. As we finish up this morning, I just, I wanna pray for our church for that, but I also mostly just wanna pray that if this morning you've come here and you know you're confident that you've thrown yourself at the feet of Jesus, praise God like I said earlier. But if you haven't done that, I would just encourage you this morning to truly understand what it means to be lifted back up and hear the words of Jesus say, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid because your life can dramatically change. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking about the spiritual sense. So I'm gonna pray for us here in a few minutes and the worship team's gonna come back up there. But in this time, I just ask that you remember those final questions that I said and just really test yourself. Pray in this time about how you can lay it all out there for the Lord. And I don't mean that you have to go far off. I mean here right now where God has placed you. How are you laying it all out there and how are you testing yourself and giving it all up for him? So let me pray for us and we'll continue. God, we, we just thank you We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that you've captured here for us. We know that it is, uh, it hits now and it hits back then. 
It hits the believers and it convicts us of what the gospel should. God, we, we earnestly pray, earnestly that, that this church is focused on glorifying you and everything that we, we say, everything that we do. And God, I just pray that, that for the members here that are, are following you, that are your believers, that they are out there in, in your world casting the net for your glory. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here this morning who doesn't know the goodness of your mercy, of your grace, that doesn't understand what it means to be lifted back up and say, don't be afraid. God, I pray for that person this moment that they would understand and believe the gospel. God, I know that your gospel affects change and I know that it calls people to repentance. Let us be bold with that in little obedience, God. Let us be bold in that so that way we can do greater things for your glory. We pray all this in your son's name, amen.